get full access to RFR only on Patreon. Become a member of the RFR Patreon community to get more Rebel Force Radio. Bonus shows and content are available right now only at patreon.com slash rebelforceradio. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. This is Rebel Force Radio. Your source for the Force. Star Wars news and commentary. With Jason Swank and Jimmy Mack. I've seen Star Wars 500 times. Star Wars number one. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I suggest we use it. Now it's time for Rebel Force Radio. We would be honored if you would join us. driving home from the day job today and I got a text from a friend of mine said that uh, Daisy Ridley revealed what Carrie Fisher whispered to her uh, during their their big hug. Hmm. They had that big hug in uh, The Force Awakens. Um, But apparently there's another hug. I got to I got to get to the bottom of this. Is there more than one hug cuz I would distinctly remember a hug that happened in The Force Awakens and it says that there's a previously unused hug. Yes. Uh so I need I need help remembering this and uh I'm so I'm going I'll, I'll bring in the big guns here. Uh of course, here on Rebel Force Radio this week's show for Friday, July 5th, 2019. Happy Independence Day belated to our fellow Americans. Uh, but I got to get to the bottom of this hug business. Uh, so my good friend and yours uh, from Chicago, Jimmy Mack, going to help me weigh in. Hey, Jason. Hey, Star Wars fans. Okay, so here's the deal. The Tell hug. The hugs. Yeah. The hug looks like an alternate take of that same scene from The Force Awakens that they're going to reincorporate as part of the new Carrie Fisher footage that they're going to put into episode nine. That's what I was thinking. So right. we're talking about same wardrobe. I mean, this is this, it's just an alternate take of the same hug that we've already seen. This is the infamous hug that happens in lieu of a hug between Princess Leia and Chewbacca. Right, right. That, that happens right after, you know, we lose Han Solo. So it really is just another take, but it's the same hug. That's all it is. Yeah, it's it's uh-huh. another take, uh, same hug. I, I believe there will be some CGI aging going on with Carrie Fisher, but you can clearly see the hug happen in the Rise of Skywalker teaser. It's it's in there. You yeah, see, right, right, that's, right, right. That's the other hug. Uh huh. Yeah, definitely with with Daisy wearing her Episode Nine wardrobe. And uh, not the baboon ass hairstyle for no, Carrie you're talking Fisher. About episode seven w- wardrobe, not no, episode nine wardrobe. No, I am because I'm talking specifically about the hug scene in the Rise of Skywalker teaser trailer. Oh, so they've altered her look. Yes, it okay. appears they've altered her hair, and they may have added some additional aging to Carrie's face. But she's clearly hugging Daisy, and Daisy's wearing her Episode Nine wardrobe, the white 
whatever that is. I don't even know what to call Daisy's clothes. It's like, is it a shirt? What is that? What what are those? I, I don't even know. The wrappings around the arms? Yeah, yeah, yeah right. The bands. So I get this text. It says, uh, so uh, Daisy has revealed what Carrie Fisher whispered to her during the Rise of Skywalker hug. And I wrote back immediately, probably something filthy. It was like, uh, what, did, what was your thing about the monkey? What was she <laughs> yeah, saying? Right. Remember that? Yeah, right. The monkey, the monkey. Uh, yeah, that was on the uh, the bad lip dubs. Oh, right, uh, right. Yeah, yeah. Poop on a stick. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's the one. <laughs> that's what I was saying. So yeah, but uh, so said. here it is. So uh, Daisy Ridley, she is on the publicity trail right now. We've got some great highlights of 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 Daisy making the rounds. She's not promoting uh, the rise of Skywalker. Yet she's promoting this uh, film, uh, Ophelia. Right. And um, so, but, but obviously the subject of Star Wars comes up frequently. And so the question was asked about, you know, what did, uh, what did she say to you? Did she whisper something to you? And, and uh, Daisy said, yeah, so get ready with the, uh, get ready with the beep here. Cause we anti carries about ready to talk. All right, we're ready. So kids get the uh, star puff earmuffs on. So um, this is Daisy. She said, I'm going to do my really bad Daisy Ridley. Yes, she was actually whispering. This is a fucking long hug. <laughs> I was trying to do my acting like, oh, my God, Carrie. There wasn't any discussion about what we were going to do. All right. So there's, there, there it is. So the quote. So next time you're watching that teaser trailer and you see them hugging, just, just picture the voice. <laughs> Listen for the voice of Carrie Fisher. This is a f-ing long hug. <laughs> yeah, well, Carrie did not uh, apply filters, yeah. whether she was on the convention yeah. stage, autograph hall, or even sound stages for the next Star Wars film. She never yeah. held back. And we loved her for that. We loved the, the, the honesty and the... <laughs> there are a few times, you know, where you thought, well, okay, babe, this isn't the time or place, Carrie. Come on. But um, nonetheless, she was always true to herself. That's that's for sure. But so, yeah, the, so this is uh, this is part of the uh, reveals that are coming out of this big interview with uh, with Vulture. So uh, mystery solved. You know, they were comparing it to, you know, the film. Uh, what was the what was the movie uh, with Bill Murray? Oh, Lost in Translation. Mm-hmm. So Bill Murray, Scarlett, great movie. Uh, Bill Murray, Scarlett Johansson, and there's a scene at the very end where he he whispers something to her uh, when they when they when they split uh, from one another, and and famously, Bill Murray nor Scarlett Johansson has ever said what was supposed to have been said, what was you know in the script, what they actually said. Um, so they were kind of comparing it to this. <laughs> Who knows? You know, Bill Murray. I can see him saying something like this. Who you know. And just imagine, but uh, if you're looking for some deep Star Wars canon here no. to shed some light on the relationship, you're not getting it. It's just two actresses <laughs> talking. Yeah. Well, you know, on, a lot of times on a film set, it's it's very technical, and I, you know, when I see behind the scenes footage of films being made, I always wonder how do they find time to act. With all that's going around them, 
Mm-hmm. Just recently, online, somebody posted up some great footage from behind the scenes of Return of the Jedi. I don't know where this footage came from, but it was Han and, well, Harrison, Mark, and Carrie. They were shooting a sequence in the... Uh, Rebel War Room, you know, where Admiral Akbar and Mon Mothma made their big speeches and stuff. And they were showing this part where Luke is embracing Leia and there's he's saying, you know, ask me some other time, right? Mm-hmm. And then and then Han comes into the frame. And the way they were setting up this thing, Harrison Ford was being very technical. He said, Well should I stand here? Should I move in here? Would it be better if I came into the shot like this? And Mark and Carrie are just standing in their spots. Mm-hmm. And so Harrison's going back and forth with the crew. And all of a sudden, they just go action. And they're like, all these people, all these crew members are standing around. There's a camera right there. And you see the actors in full wardrobe in that war room location that we're all real familiar with on board the Mon Calamari ship. And all this is happening, and then Harrison walks into the – this is while they're shooting. Harrison walks into the frame, and the lighting guy has a tape measure, and he goes from the camera right up to Harrison's temple and back, and <laughs> yeah, this is all right. during the shot. Yeah. And so when you hear stories about, like, Christian Bale losing his mind on the set of a film <laughs> – and going crazy on a crew. Now, sure, of course, it's it's irresponsible and unprofessional, but you can kind of see how that stuff would happen. These actors have to get into a certain zone. And with all the hubbub and technical stuff happening around them, I don't even know how they find time to act. Well, it's a good point. And it also, you know, as a theater guy, I can really understand why so many of actors in the in the world of tv and film why they're drawn to the stage because that stuff does not get in your way yep but you're right how do you have time to think about your care well you know it's just like being an athlete you know all of that training and all of that work is done off the field right off the stage. so you're you're in your trailer or you're you know in your home and wherever hotel room and you're working on the lines and the scenes for the next day's shoot um, so that when you're on the field, so to speak, you, you're not, you're not thinking anymore. Mm-hmm. You're just doing it. What you, what you rehearsed before, but it's a real good point. It is amazing that people get any semblance of a performance out of it when it's just constant start, stop, start, stop. And you got so much stuff going on. Mm-hmm. So um, many crew members running around. And it, like I said, Harrison was talking about, where to stand and all of this stuff. And then it was just like action right away. Boom. Was, he went from talking to them to shooting the, the sequence in a matter of seconds. And I was like, man, how do you even get his head together to do that? It's, yeah, no kidding. And then, like I said, here's a crew member with a tape measure coming out to Harrison's <laughs> head. I'm like, this is insanity. Yeah. Yeah, no, it really is. We'll have more of Daisy Ridley coming up here in just a few minutes on the program. Uh, We also have uh, joining us very soon uh, our pal Kevin Lyle. He's going to be hanging with us for a bit and give his report from the Peter Mayhew Memorial that uh, happened in Texas just last weekend. Um, Peter was was, uh, remembered by friends, family, colleagues, associates, um, and this was at the uh, Kavanaugh Flight Museum in Texas. And Kevin was there, and he's going to give us uh, our f- firsthand report. Plus, we'll check in with Kevin. He's, a, he's, he's 
all over the place. Uh, and this is convention season, so we'll find out what's going on with him. Uh, as we mentioned, more Daisy Ridley uh, coming up. But uh, first, how about a uh, how about a voicemail? Let's hear what did, this is. Eric from Phoenix. Let's check in with with Eric. Hey, Jason. Hey, Jimmy. This is Eric from Phoenix, and I uh, just want to say loved the Puppet Lando video from Rancho Obi Wan, and especially loved the Patreon exclusive. Uh, behind-the-scenes outtakes with uh, Jason uh, laughing hysterically while he's watching the video for the first time. Uh, awesome job there. But uh, the main reason for my call is I've been thinking about uh, Batu Galaxy's Edge, and I've got a co-worker and his family that's there right now. Um, this is Monday, the week of the 4th, and can't wait till they get back to hear all about it. But one of the things I got to thinking about was some things that, Galaxy's Edge is basically spoiling for Episode Nine. Like, number one, the Millennium Falcon survives. Clearly, uh, the Millennium Falcon survives. This is post-Episode uh, Nine, I believe. Isn't Galaxy's Edge supposed to take place after Episode Nine? Um, Chewbacca survives. Ray survives. Kylo Ren survives. They're all at the park. Um, I'm sure there's some other things I'm not thinking about. Um, you know, the rise... Uh, the the first order ride, um, first order survives. Um, I, I don't know, just some things I was thinking about um, this weekend uh, as I was thinking of Galaxy's Edge. Maybe I have the timeline wrong. Um, maybe the timeline's after episode eight, but I, I don't I don't think so. I, I think it's after nine. Um, sure, Disney can change all that stuff, and maybe they will. They're probably going to have to. Um, but it just makes it interesting. I hadn't thought about that. If they want to get it in line with what happens in the next movie, um, they're potentially going to have to make some changes. Clearly, the Falcon's not going to get destroyed. They're not going to take that out. But uh, anyway, just found it interesting, speculating. Keep up the great work, guys. Bye-bye. Well, it's a very good question. Thanks, Eric. Appreciate it. Thanks for the kind words. And, yes, so Patreon uh, supporters have the uh, ability to check in and see a special video of uh well jim kind of threw this at me last week he he said he shared his screen with me i had no idea what was happening and then all of a sudden i'm watching the uh the the puppet lando visit to rancho obi-wan and so that is legit i mean that is he was re- i didn't even know he was recording i didn't know you were recording i record everything yes yes so that was a a real reaction audio not a reaction video, a reaction audio of me experiencing the Puppet Lando visit to Rancho Obi-Wan for the first time. So that's patron exclusive, plus some uh, really fun outtakes at the very end. But anyway, what Eric brings up is canonically, uh, does Galaxy's Edge happen or take place after episode nine? And if so... Doesn't it technically spoil the film because you see the characters that survive? Um, I actually think that it takes place before episode nine. Yeah, you're I right. Think it sits right right after eight. You're absolutely right. It was it was announced uh, by Lucasfilm. I you know I think it was uh, via a video called uh, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge sneak peek look. And I think in that video, someone from either Lucasfilm or a Disney Imagineer did make the, the clarification that the events, um, well, I should say the events, but uh, well, like if, if you were going to well, place Galaxy's Edge on the Star Wars timeline, 
it would be happening between episodes eight and episodes nine. It's yeah. it's the first narrative set after episode eight in the Star Wars timeline. If you're going to apply, you know, a, a sort of designation to it, that that's the best thing I can say. The narrative for the land is that's where it's rooted in between ep eight and episode nine. I don't know if there's flexibility with that. You know, I, I remember uh, one of the most attractive things about Star Tours was uh, when they did the upgrade, the, the, the ability to switch it up every so often, to keep it current with what's happening in Star Wars cinematically. Mm-hmm. I don't know if um, Galaxy's Edge is going to offer that sort of flexibility, um, but uh, I think we'll see more obvious examples of that particular narrative and the placement on the timeline when the Rise of the Resistance ride finally opens. I think that timeline will make it very clear to you that it happens between Episode 8 and Episode 9, the things that yeah. happen in that ride. Also, yeah, exactly. And and think about the book um, by Delia Dawson, uh, it's a Star Wars Galaxy's Edge book, Black Spire. I think that uh, – is it out yet? Yeah. Yeah. It, it already out. came out? Okay. Well, if oh, it's no, no, not no, out, no, I, no. I have – August 27th. Yeah, I I've got the early, galley edition uh, myself. So They sent me an early bird preview yeah. copy of that. I yeah. haven't read it. But it comes out at the end of August, and yeah, it does it, – it, the events of this novel are right between episodes uh, eight and nine. This is after the um, – the you know of course the destruction of the the new republic and they're desperately in search of of allies and um so you know clearly after the end of uh, episode 8 so anyway so that 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 i think answers uh, eric's question because but he's right i mean otherwise it would have been a massive spoiler but then i point to some of the other um disney like you said jim you know in terms of uh of uh, star tours, uh, you know, there were, and, and also, I mean, there are costumed characters throughout, um, you know, star Wars costume characters throughout the park, not just at galaxy's edge. So it, it, they don't have to necessarily be alive, quote unquote, in current star Wars canon in order for them <laughs> to have a, 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 a place. But uh, at any rate, Eric, thanks for the voicemail. Appreciate it. I have good news for you, my lord. That's good news. Come closer, I have good news. All right, as we promised, more Daisy Ridley as she promotes her new film, Ophelia. But, of course, the subject of Star Wars is not far behind. And, Jim, you've uh, gathered up some uh, audio uh, clips of various appearances that she's made. We're going to start off with Good Morning America. Yes. Yeah, she's, like like you said, Jason, she's out there doing the rounds for Ophelia, which is... uh, Based on, uh, it's like a spinoff of Hamlet. It was Hamlet's girlfriend. Yeah. And so uh, it, it just tells that Shakespearean tale, I guess, from her perspective. Mm-hmm. So um, they did start sneaking in some questions about Star Wars. Most notably, how emotional was it for her to, to finally wrap it up? You know, she's been working on this trilogy for a few years now and getting to know the cast and crew, everybody, like family. So uh, how emotional was it on that that uh, final day? 
The thing that was really amazing is a lot of the crew did all three films, so it was really emotional anyway. But there were a few scenes that we did where everyone was really moved. And, you know, a lot of the time the crew are doing their jobs. So it's not like such an emotional thing. Like, it's more technical. And But it was some bits, are re- and a lot of it is really moving. I found it very emotional. There you go. Because I'll tell you what, with the, the final episode of The Avengers... That just happened with uh, Avengers Endgame. Yeah. Um, I was shocked at the emotional resonance that movie had. It, it got to me as, you know, just as someone who's not necessarily a Marvel super fan or anything. I, I like Marvel just as much as anyone else. But I'm not like deep in the Marvel lore and I don't know everything about the comics and all of that. But I've seen all the movies and just being connected with the characters and the actors who played the characters going all the way back to 2008's Iron Man, to see that whole story come to a conclusion in Endgame had an emotional punch for me that I was not expecting at all. Mm. So I could only imagine if we even get a modicum of that in Episode Nine, because of my emotional investment in these characters, which goes over the course of four decades. Yeah. Um, if they could even pull off a, a fraction of what the Russo brothers were able to pull off in the Marvel film, I think it's going to be extremely emotional. Um, it's very interesting to hear Daisy give these little clues about the impact that the conclusion of the Skywalker saga is going to have on us as fans. It's something that I don't think we can prepare ourselves for, really. It'll just hit us like a sledgehammer when it does, if the movie has that kind of effectiveness, mm-hmm. which I think it will. I don't think Daisy's blowing smoke here, you know? Um, she talks about uh, things beyond the plot she also talks about what it was like for her specifically what it was like on her last day her very last day shooting the rise of skywalker well john rapped so i was already like hysterically crying and then i rapped and i th- i did a speech and i cannot remember what i said i went <laughs> i kept going i'm really sorry i'm really sorry. the whole crew was there it was like embarrassing and obviously people recorded it i, I still can't tell you what i said Aww. i was like i'm just at the bedtime and i my own <laughs> i'm really excited you have not it. seen a cut of the film no jj has shown me a couple bits which was very exciting when we Ooh. went in to go see the trailer he showed me a few bits it feels, I don't know, I don't know if it's because I've done more now, like it's always really hard to watch yourself, but this time I feel it's the most excited I've felt. So uh, Daisy Ridley doing some uh, ugly crying there on the set of uh, The Rise of Sky. I, I don't even think it'd be possible for Daisy to do ugly crying. Right. She didn't ugly say she was things. an ugly crier, did she? No, no, but I she, she kind of alluded Daisy. to that, you know, that it was she was embarrassed. Yeah. Well. She's crying and she's blubbering and all of that, but uh, she's talking to the crew. Um, I'll bet she's even cute when she cries. Well, of course she is. Of course yeah. she is. And uh, her teeth always look 
fabulously white. Man, so, they're, they're, amazing I mean, she's a, teeth. She's she got really like does. Kennedy teeth. She, I think Those she are, has the best teeth in Star Wars yeah, well, in the sure. entire history of Star Wars. Sure. Well, now, of well, course, not. With you know, the, maybe with the exception of that uh, Lando Calrissian action figure from uh, Empire Strikes Back, or Bib Fortuna, the penis teeth. Bib Fortuna. Bib yes, Fortuna he, no, teeth. he had the worst teeth. So, um, <laughs> so Daisy uh, was asked the question. Will Ray return oh. to Star Wars in future films? I mean, who can tell? <laughs> uh, what I would say is I think it's a brilliant end to the story. And like JJ and Chris, who wrote it as well, have done an incredible job of like wrapping it up because there are so many references, obviously, to the nine films. Um, but also it exists in its own thing. So I think people are going to feel very satisfied. Mm, good. Well, yeah, you can't say. It, 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 I mean, we know as Star Wars fans that that is a that that's a silly question because right. the fact is that it doesn't matter how well they wrap it up. I mean, Episode Six was wrapped up pretty nicely. Uh, it doesn't matter. It, what matters is if if they realize that or if they think that there's some. Uh, some some profit let's be honest you know it's a business star wars is a business there's some profit to be made to uh put those characters back out there or there's something interesting somebody comes it's not just profit it's also uh creative ideas if there's something a great story that's just waiting to be told with those characters they'll be back i don't like to, i don't like to think that way i think that if they want to put finality on the series, the Skywalker saga, they should really do it and give us conclusions for the characters that make it almost impossible for them to continue on. Maybe like Ray ascends to some sort of higher level or something. And are you really want them to? You want them to, you know, no, no BS. You, you want this to really be the end. If they're out there talking about it being the end, then really make it the end. No loopholes. I did hear a rumor, and um, mm, this could be spoiler territory. Oh, um, really? Yes. No. yes. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. All right. What I heard was that the concept of resurrection will come into play in episode nine. Oh. And I think there are three candidates for this. Uh, if it happens in the film itself, it could be Ray. It could be Kylo. And like maybe Kylo gets killed off and then comes back as something different. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like more Ben Solo, more Jedi, or maybe Luke returns and he's resurrected, but somebody is going to come back to life in this film. And I'm not talking about Palpatine. I'm not talking oh. about the emperor, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. someone other than him. Um, and that's all I know. I, I have no, nothing other than just knowing that the concept of legitimate resurrection, not returning as a force ghost, not returning yeah. as a voice in the head, you know, legitimate well, return and it was always something that was being kicked around in lucas's story concepts for return of the jedi but he never actually went there yeah yeah and then of course he folded that into the prequels as that became a big part of of, of anakin's motivation mm -hmm. was after the loss of his mother he was hellbent 
on making sure that he never suffered a loss like that again. And he wanted to know how to stop people from dying. Mm-hmm. So that's been a big motivation for him. I think and Luke that is was something that he that emperor the emperor promised him. I think Luke is the most likely candidate to come back from the dead. Um, because if you bring back someone like Obi Wan Kenobi, and maybe have Ewan return in the role, that cat would be let out of the bag the second Ewan McGregor walked into that soundstage. Same mm-hmm. thing with Hayden Christensen and Anakin Skywalker. But there yeah. were some heavy rumors during the episode eight shooting that Hayden Christensen was seen on the stage or he was there at the studios. Now, that could have been for a couple of reasons. Maybe they made a body cast of him to use in Rogue One for that back-to-tank scene. Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. maybe they were shooting some footage during the episode eight process to include in episode nine. But that seems most unlikely to me because what director wants to use another director's footage? Uh, yeah, that doesn't, yeah. that doesn't often happen unless somebody gets fired mid production or something like that. So, which happens a lot in star Wars now. <laughs> well, I guess it is kind of commonplace in star Wars, <laughs> but we know JJ Abrams ain't going anywhere. No. And he's no, going to stick not. to his guns. The other thing I heard is that the, no, the, the the idea of bringing George Lucas back to collaborate happened during the rewrites for episode nine that basically took place late last year, that there was some mm. rewrites done and that it actually may have significantly changed the plot of the entire film. But George was consulted and his ideas are being incorporated into episode nine. No question uh-huh. about that. No question uh-huh. about that. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, um, so which might explain why he's showing up at things like the opening of Galaxy's Edge. So he's he's switched from the talk of white slavers to <laughs> now. He, I mean, he's 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 warming up to the idea. Let's put it that way. So that that might be why. Yeah, they came back to kiss the ring. And they got his input. Maybe on wrapping this all up. Maybe I mean he he has appeared at other Star Wars events. I mean he was to the best of my knowledge he was not at the world premiere for Episode Eight. He but was he, not. He was there for Solo. Um, obviously, you know Ron Howard, he was there, right? Probably he was the there for Solo connective right? tissue he there. there. He was there for Seven, and he but he was not there for Rogue One. He was not there for Rogue One. He was not there no. for Eight. He heard we were going to be there for Rogue One, so he well, said, yeah. forget about <laughs> he wasn't it. Gonna be there. He wasn't going to be there. Well, well, if those Rogue uh, Force radio guys are going to be there. But probably some of the most interesting things that Daisy Ridley has said lately uh, was when she was talking to USA Today. Now, we knew that um, a big part of the plot of Episode Nine was getting this new sequel trilogy trio together um well for one reuniting uh daisy's uh ray and john boyega's finn together where they were they were they had so such great chemistry and the stuff with them in episode seven are some of the highlights of that of that movie yes the whole movie is lifted by the presence of carrie fisher and harrison ford there's no question uh but a lot of it rested on especially that that first first third of the film rested on 
Daisy and John and, and their characters' interactions with each other, and they were just fantastic. We, we all just fell in love with them. So they'll be back um, together in Episode 9, plus throwing uh, Oscar Isaac in there. They did ask uh, if ra- the, the subject of race, parents, if that was going to be answered, and she said, yes, the question is answered. So at the end of the film, you know what the dealio is. Mm. Well, technically... We know what the dealio is now based on Ryan Johnson's answer that he gave us in episode eight. This leads me and anyone else with any common sense to believe that that's not the final answer. No, no, that's definitely not. That was um, that's going to be explained as some sort of Kylo Ren smoke screen or Snoke screen, if you will. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, that's uh, probably how they're going to. Wipe that one under the carpet. Yeah. Now, this was the question and answer that I was the most interested in. Um, This is the first time we've heard Daisy Ridley speak publicly about backlash. The question posed to her was writer-director Ryan Johnson received a ton of backlash online after The Last Jedi, with many fans petitioning to remake the film and redeem Luke Skywalker's character. Were you surprised at all by the controversy? Ridley replies, I wasn't surprised. No, it's just a different thing. Everyone's going to have an opinion now anyways on the Internet. But I also think it's fair. If people hold something incredibly dear and they think they know how it should be and it's not like that, it's fair for people to think that they were done wrong. It doesn't mean they were. Ultimately, Ryan's a filmmaker and one person can't dictate how a film is supposed to be. But freedom of expression, sure. All right, I'm just going to go on a limb here. And, you know, it was it was John Boyega who said online, I think it might have been Twitter, someone said, hey, when uh, after episode nine comes out, are you going to finally tell the truth of what? <laughs> well, will the actors all tell the truth of what they really thought about episode eight. And John Boyega said, you bet, or something like that. Like, yes, we will. Now, that doesn't mean that John Boyega is saying, yeah, we're going to come out and we're going to dish about episode eight. And we didn't like episode eight. But there is a lot of talk. There is a lot of discussion and rumors that the cast, most notably and most unapologetically, Mark Hamill himself, did not like the direction that episode eight took. Now, if you're a big fan of episode eight, God bless you. I'm not sitting here telling you to not like the film, but. Uh, Daisy's answer here, I, I like because what she's doing is she's at least giving the people who were not happy with episode eight oxygen, understanding, um, and she doesn't jump and start calling them names. You know, she's not out there saying, well, you know, if, if, if these people that didn't like episode eight, they clearly don't like uh, strong female characters. Or they, or they clearly have a problem with, you know, uh, this of color or that of color. Or no, they're Russian bots. Yeah, or they're Russian bots. No, she's she's saying what the common sense answer was is, well, first of all, look, it's the Internet and everybody has an opinion. But secondly, hey, it's fair. People hold something incredibly dear and they think they know how it should be. And it's not like that. It's fair for people to think that they were done wrong. It doesn't mean they were. Ultimately, Ryan's a filmmaker and one person can't dictate how a film is supposed to be, but freedom of expression, sure. So, um, so there, I, I think that that's pretty obvious to me that 
one, she's not discrediting anyone who has a contrarian view of, of uh, episode eight. And, and, and two, um, you, you might, you might infer from that that she's not too far from it. And we may find out that Mark Hamill was not alone in his dislike. Uh, you know, Mark is also, I feel like he's, he, you know, he's not a, you remember how Shia LaBeouf was out bad mouthing Indiana Jones four, like, like right before the movie came out and right initially when the, when the movie came out and, and uh, Harrison Ford and, and others were, you know, quickly going out there and, basically telling the kid to shut up. That's not what you do. You don't do that. You don't go out there and, and bash a movie like that. Well, nobody was telling Mark Hamill not to do that. You never heard anyone in the cast of episode eight ever contradicting Mark Hamill publicly. It's almost as if Mark was sort of the unofficial voice of and this could all be in my own head. This could just be between my ears, but that Mark might have been the unofficially elected voice of the cast saying, you know what? We're not wild about this either. Now, it doesn't mean everything, every character, but the, the main thrust of that. And I'll tell you, I sent, there was, um, Jim, I sent this out to uh, our little Jedi council on email the uh, what is the name of those little those little galaxies uh, shorts that they've got the animated shorts that they show oh, up on uh, yeah adventures galaxy Gal- of adventures galaxy adventure and there was this and I really like I I really like the I think I'm all caught up because my daughter loves that anime style but you know it's it's basically little moments from the Star Wars saga redone in sort of an anime anima- animation style and it's fun. And they did one where they kind of were sort of leading up to episode nine, the end of the Skywalker saga. And they, they go back and they show these key moments from episodes one all the way through eight. And of course, it's like a two minute, very quick thing. And it's amazing how brilliantly they string together all the films and they create this really nice, very efficient uh, arc um, as the, you know, one character sort of fades out and another character fades in as they tell this, this, this story. And, but when they get to episode eight, the only thing they really show is Luke training Ray. So he kind of becomes the Obi-Wan character as the, as this, um, uh, the, these, these movies are sort of um, summarized in this animation format And to me, it was just like interesting, like the as far as, again, this could be happening just between my own ears, but our takeaway, at the end of the day, our takeaway from episode eight should just be that, yeah, Luke trained Ray. Mm Mm-hmm. Luke trained Ray. Right, right, right. And it removes the reluctance and all of that because yep. it just shows the thing. And and this could be something, though, that gets reinforced in Episode 9. And I mm. certainly hope it does. Yeah. I hope Luke comes back and has some sort of relevatory moment with Ray and gives her what she needs. Wouldn't it be great if he came back and 
she's like, what are you doing here? And he's like, well, I promised you three lessons. Mm. And your third lesson is watch me kick some ass. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, yes, there's that there's that goofy cut scene, which is just absolute ridiculous. Yeah, it is. Um, So technically, we've never we never did see the third lesson. No. So it would be a great opportunity for JJ to come in there and and show us what we missed. Mm hmm. That so. would be, yeah. Yeah. So we'll see, I mean, how it yeah. all unfolds. Again, we might be looking at events in episode eight in a whole different light with a whole new fresh perspective after we see episode nine. I certainly hope so. Yeah, me too. Me too. All right. It doesn't stop there. More Daisy Ridley, this time on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. Yes. Now, what this is a got? great clip. I, I love this clip because Daisy reveals how she first heard the plot and the story of Episode 9, The Rise of Skywalker. J.J. was like, hey, want to meet up? I was like, sure. I was like, yeah, I want to hear the story. So J.J. Abrams, the director, writer, yeah. calls you up and says, My yeah. friend. Your friend? Yeah. We're okay, friends. Yeah. 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 Um, he said, you want to meet up? I'll tell you about it. I was like, sure. This was a few months before we started. Yeah. And we were in a, a public, you know, cafe. Yeah. And he fully told me the story start to finish. No. And he was speaking at a normal volume. And I was like... People can hear us. Yeah. But regardless, the story changed. So, like, he told me the thing, and then a few months later, it changed. It did. And were you happy yeah. with the ending? It does it, I mean, um, yeah, it's, it's epic. Mm. So, epic. She's, yeah, she's talking in some big terms about what we can expect from episode nine. And Daisy doesn't seem like the, the type to really sugarcoat things too much. She seems like a relatively straight shooter. And uh, I think that uh, if she didn't have good things to say about episode nine, she would say nothing at all. Because after yeah. all, she is out promoting an entirely different film. She's not on a publicity tour for episode nine right now. So I think that uh, if she wasn't feeling good about it, she would have just said, let's not do Star Wars questions in this interview. But no, she feels optimistic and good about the way it ends. And also keep in mind, if you listen, she says that the ending has changed from the one that Mm. J.J. presented to her originally. The story has changed. And those changes came late last year after Lucasfilm and J.J. Abrams wisened up and reached out to George Lucas and said, what can you give us here to make this film a satisfying conclusion to the saga itself. So I thought that was pretty cool. You um, just gave me goosebumps right there. Well, you know, you gave me goosebumps. that's how it's all going down right now. Yeah. And um, uh, that gives me a sense of optimism. And uh, so uh, Daisy, obviously very emotionally connected to uh, the saga, like we heard her saying on Good Morning America, it was pretty emotional for her to finish shooting and wrap up her experience with Star Wars. I wept. Wow. I was in embarrassment. Really? I can't remember a thing. Because everybody had to do like a rap speech. And John rapped just before me and I was like, oh, oh, no. And then I... Like like a rap speech? Like when he rapped, not like a rap. Oh, W-R-A-P. He, he, yeah, okay. W-R-A-P. Like a, it's a rap. It's a rap. Oh, I thought everyone had to get up and rap. I'm no, like, oh, no, no, That's interesting. And then uh, they, JJ gave the mic to me, and that's basically all I can remember. Because I really? <laughs> be, For a while. Hmm. 
So, you know, just basically reiterating the stuff she said on Good Morning America. But the reason I want to play it is because, of course, Jimmy Fallon started saying, you rapped, you did a rap. So as things naturally happen, one thing led to another. And Daisy Ridley actually does throw down with some hip hop. She raps on The Tonight Show to Lady Marmalade. And uh, this is the version from Moulin Rouge. And Mm -hmm. uh, I thought it was pretty impressive to hear Daisy Ridley showing off her rapping chops. Yeah, yeah, uh, we come through with the money and the God of belts that know we got that cake straight out of the gate. We independent women, some mistake is for hard. I'm saying, why spend mine when I can spend yours? Disagree, well, that's you, and I'm sorry. I'm gonna keep playing these cats out like Atari. High heel shoes, getting love for the dudes, for the badass chicks, for the moon on Oh. Some lyrics in there I wouldn't hear, you know, Ray necessarily singing. Daisy, yeah, fine. <laughs> yeah, right. So she's got. Well, some you know, chops. I mean, I can't, I can't help it when I when I hear that, and then I automatically think about Natalie Portman and and her great rap. You remember that? Oh, on SNL. Yeah, yeah. When she did that on, she did that skit. I think we've got a clip of it here. This is. Uh, this goes back to what? We're sitting here today with film star 2013. Natalie Portman. Hello. So, Natalie, what's a day in the life of Natalie Portman like? Do you really want to know? Please, tell us. I don't sleep, mother... All right, okay, 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 come on. All right, so it's not quite the same. What are you but, doing, you know, man? Well, I'm just saying, you know, these 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 Star Wars ladies know how to rap. <laughs> Poor Carrie Fisher. I, I wish. Who knows? Of course, oh. I mean, she certainly swore like a rapper. Oh my goodness. You know. Oh. All right. Anyway. All right, so anyway. <laughs> so there, Daisy Ridley. Natalie Portman. Yes. Uh, you know, they're, they're Def Jam coming to your neighborhood soon. <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson. Uh-huh. All right. Uh, he, was, he was on The Late Show with C- Stephen Colbert. He's out there. There's a new Shaft movie out. Oh, and, yeah, uh, yeah. Sam's yeah. in it. So he appeared on The Late Show recently to promote that. And, of course, everyone knows, especially after seeing him on stage at Star Wars Celebration Chicago, Stephen Colbert, huge Star Wars fan. And uh, he, uh, he uh, you know, he didn't really uh, necessarily... Uh, bring Star Wars to the conversation. He just asked Samuel L. Jackson a very innocent question. And of course that unleashed the uh, star that opened the Star Wars floodgates. Is there a character you'd like to go back to that you haven't had a chance to? Um, I'd really love to give one more run at Mace Windu in Star Wars. Now, do you see a way that he survived the attack of... There's a long history of one-handed guys in the, you know, that were Jedi that have lightsabers that still make it. But he fell out know. a window and everything. Jedis can fall from incredible heights and not die like cats. <laughs> <laughs> That's about? canon. That's canon right there. <laughs> you know, I think that... Uh, I really think that we're going to see it. I think it's going to happen. I don't think he can keep going around and making these uh, overtures. Plus, uh, as we know, Samuel L. Jackson does not age. 
Well, that has been a bonus because yeah. uh, it's been 20 years since uh, episode one. And, uh, you know, if they're going to do a Mace Windu spinoff, they, they better do it soon. Before, mm-hmm. like, Sam starts knocking on the door of 80 years old. He just turned 70 not too long ago. Did he really? Oh, my yeah. gosh. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. But, but you are right. He uh, definitely does not, um, he does not show it. No, uh, so much uh, for he, sure. He not. does, yeah. He he does. He has maintained an incredible consistency with his look over the years. <laughs> well, I mean, it helps when it's like Steve Martin. You know, Steve Martin went gray. You know, his hair turned gray when he was in his twenties. So he'd always been a gray-haired dude. Yeah. So you know, it helped him. And Sam Jackson has uh, always had the shaved, you know, dome, and. Uh, I think he yeah. has. I can't remember. I mean, he's worn well, you know, wigs and the wigs and, and stuff like that. When you think like of Pulp that, Fiction, but... he was wearing right. that uh, Jerry curl. But right. um, you know, right. um, and they did de-age him in the Marvel's uh, Captain Marvel movie. So, uh, you oh, know, I mean, there's so there are How things you can I, do. You with had movies. to de-age him. Yeah, yeah, because that movie was set in the '90s, oh, Captain Marvel. Okay. So I see. That, that takes place in the 90s. So, yeah, they did a little DAG, but probably very minimal. I mean, what yeah. kind of work did that be? Like a very easy day for the CGI guys. Well, so you know, did he look like Mace Windu? Because Mace Windu appeared in the 90s. No, he looked more like Nick Fury. Because, you know, the goatee and the patch oh, over the yeah. eye. You know, right. Oh, right. Certain right, yeah. Nick Fury look. Um, but, uh, yeah, I could see him turning back to clock and playing Mace one more time. Or even Mace in the future, you know, did he survive? He said Jedi are like cats. That's they right. Can, you know, they can land on their feet. From incredible heights. Oh, Jesus says here. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just looking at some Samuel L. Jackson information. Yeah. Um, net worth. Samuel L. Jackson's net worth is $220 million. Woo! Wow. All right. Yeah. Damn. Bringing home the bacon and frying it up in the pan. (laughs) It's unthinkable. All right, we got one more here for you, and uh, I'm just hoping that I'm reading this right. Yes. I really am hoping. Right. This is is what uh, Jim's given us here. This is from the London Telegraph. Seals taught to bark the theme tune from Star Wars. That's right. Look out, John uh-huh. Williams. We have Seals barking the main theme to the Star Wars films. This is what the uh, Telegraph has to say. Seals have a natural bark, but researchers at the Scottish Oceans Institute, or, of course, as you and I most commonly know it, Jason, the SOI. Of course. At the university, the mug. yes, yes. At the University of St. Andrews, they've trained seals to copy sounds outside of their natural repertoire, which is mostly arp, 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 arp. okay. That's what seals <laughs> yeah. do. But it's incredible the way they've trained the seal to bark the the main theme to Star Wars. Now, what we're going to hear in this audio recording is a simulated seal sound of the Star Wars theme, and then. You'll hear the seal itself copying the artificial seal call. So at the very beginning, you won't hear a seal. You will hear a simulation of a seal, and then you'll hear the seal itself. Okay? Everyone following? I'm ready. All right, here we go. Let her roll. 
one more time so the first part is is the synthesizer yes to communicate the sounds to the seal and then the seal parrots it back right seals it back a parrot here we go right Wow. A little pitchy there at the end, but for the most part, fantastic. All right, Simon. Yeah. (laughs) Pitchy my ass. That was amazing. That's a seal for crying out loud. Incredible. Rancho Obi-Wan is home to the world's largest Star Wars memorabilia collection, as recognized by the Guinness Book of World Records. Become a member of Rancho Obi-Wan right now to get exclusive access to tours of Rancho Obi-Wan, hosted by Steve Sansweet, invites to special events, and more. Plus, you can also make a difference and help Rancho Obi-Wan grow with a simple donation of $1 or higher. Visit RanchoObiWan.org now to get the latest news, become a member, or make a donation. RanchoObiWan.org. And as we mentioned before, here to tell us about the big memorial service for the late, great Peter Mayhew, our old buddy, Star Wars artist, and also uh, he's the owner. He's the sales guy. He's the, he's the stock boy. He's the chief cook and bottle washer of Norse Legion. <laughs> Mr. Kevin Lyle joining us. Kevin, always That's, great to have you. Thank you. That's Rebel a great Force title. Radio. I didn't think I, I cleaned the floors, too, here at Norse Legion. <laughs> There's no job too small for a guy eight feet tall. Six five, Jason. Okay, six, six five. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about it. The math didn't seem right there, yeah. but all right, six five. Still, I envy you. So, well, so Kevin, you just got back from uh, was it? Uh, where was it in Texas? Is it Dallas or yeah, Dallas? It's was... <clears throat> it's in the Dallas area. Um, uh, Peter lived in uh, a town called Boyd, outside of Dallas, and the uh, service was more in proper Dallas. It was just north of a place called Addison, oh. at a. Um, at the Kavanaugh Flight Museum is where the service was. And, um, yeah, that was on Saturday. Wow. So what kind of a venue is that? Uh, were you, was it sort of a, a, a banquet room or where did they, where'd they it, have you all? It was a, it's a series of hangars, and it's, they've got a bunch of World War II uh, aircraft. they got aircraft from, you know, from World War I all the way up to the present. But it was mostly a lot of World War II aircrafts, your, your B-25 bombers and your... Uh, uh, they had a Spitfire from England and so forth, and it was just. And in, in, in the hangar, they had this big open space where they had um, a bunch of tables, and there was about three hundred of us um, uh, at the service, uh, which ran for a couple of hours. And it was uh, it was it was a great event, and I was uh, I was extremely honored to be invited by yeah. uh, by Peter's family. Uh, what was your uh, connection with Peter? Um, well, I had done a lot of shows over the years, as both of you guys know, and. Um, uh, especially up in uh, up in the Boston area, uh, there's a show called Super Mega Fest that I do a lot, and um, I always had a table um, where the actors sign and stuff, doing doing my thing with the art and so, and so forth. And a couple times I, I've done it right next to Peter, 
and I, you know, I got to know him and Angie that way. That's that's actually how I got my copy of the Star Wars uh, uh, holiday special. Uh, Angie, someone gave Angie, who's Peter's wife, gave her a uh, a, a copy of it, and she uh, came over and was talking about it. Was like, you know, and I was like, I haven't seen that since I was a kid. Is it bad as everybody says it is? And she handed it to me. She goes, Here, you can have this one. I took it home, and she was right. It was horrible. <laughs> it is just, it's just a horrible, horrible thing. But that Peter makes a fun- Peter made a funny joke about it because I go. Uh, I go, well, what did you think of it? He's like, the check cleared. <laughs> that, was, that was Peter's response. He's like, he got paid for it, so he, he was good with it. Yeah, but still, I think he would probably uh, think of it as a little bit more than just your average gig because there he was again on a set with Harrison Ford. So it's it, it kind of, you know, sure, joking aside, I think Peter probably had pretty fond memories of the, the holiday special and all that. Well, he was a little upset because the guy who plays uh, uh, Molly, you know, Molly, because his wife was was a guy, was an actual seven foot oh, basketball yeah. player, which he said kind of ruined the romance part of it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, and I've also I've interviewed uh, uh, Peter a number of times, and uh, and I, I became friends with the family years ago, and I'm, I'm actually working with them uh, on a show they have in December, which will also have another service for Peter, another memorial for him uh, in December. That that convention's called. Uh, uh, Empire Con, and that's in um, that'll be in in Los Angeles. Oh yeah, uh, I've heard of that one. That one looks mega cool. There's all kind cool. of uh, original trilogy actors who don't typically sign here in the states. I often see those names pop up at shows in the UK, but Empire Con, it seems like they're bringing up a lot of those cantina alien actors, the ones that are still around and they're going to be landing at empire con. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's going to, there's going to be, we'll be doing some programming and, uh, I, I really shouldn't say anything about it. I'll be doing some things there as well. And, um, if you have ever followed me at conventions, you know what kind of stuff I do. So you could probably put it together, uh, from that as far as what I'm going to do, but it, it's, it's going to be a great show. So the course, memorial service, who organized that? That was organized by the, um, by, by Peter's family, the people who work with Peter, uh, the same people who run uh, the Peter Mayhew Foundation, which is still, you know, a foundation that is that's not going anywhere. They're still uh, raising money for charities. They raised a lot of money at this memorial, and um, it's still going. And uh, so it, it was run by uh, you know, Ryan Ziegler, who's uh, Peter's manager, uh, and you know, Angie of course was in part part of it. You know, she spoke of course. And um, does that answer your question? I don't know. Well, yeah. yeah. So I mean, it wasn't like it, it was. It was definitely uh, part of the. Sort of the official send-off of Peter Mayhew through the family. It wasn't some sort of uh, rogue um, uh, kind of spin-off thing. And yeah, I mean, no, and it was yeah. it, and it was done really well. It had you know they they had uh, you know the, the, there was a dinner there, and you know everybody was everybody was dressed nice, and it was uh, a bunch of people came up and spoke. Uh, Alvin Johnson was there. Uh, he spoke. Um, a bunch of people from the uh, Peter Mayhew Foundation were there, and they spoke. And then you know Mike Quinn, Nine Nub was there, mm-hmm. yeah, and uh, uh, a few other people, uh, a lot of Five O First members from the uh, from the Star Garrison, which is the Texas Garrison. They were there, and it was just it was a, it was a great event, and it really uh, you know Peter touched a lot of people. Yeah. And he he really was a nice guy. I know everybody says that about you know, but he was just was he was he was a really nice guy, and it wasn't just um, you know he didn't he didn't make the Peter Mayhew Foundation just as a lark just to be cool or get attention. He did it to help people, and they raise a lot of money for a lot of charities. And um, they don't just give to one charity; they give they give to you know, all of them. I don't think any charities off the off the table for them. They do they do a lot of great work. Well, and, and at these um, types of things, you know, uh, 
once someone has has passed on, then it's it's opportunity to uh, tell stories and uh, remembrances of things that you might not have heard when they were around. Were there were there any stories that surprised you that you heard from the the speakers? Um, well, I don't want to start getting too deep into people's personal stories, but there was one gentleman who came up um, who oh, I didn't know, and he's not in the Star Wars community, but he's uh, he was a friend of Peter's, and he got in a lot of um, he was in he was uh, in New Orleans when Katrina happened, and um, uh, uh, Peter and his family uh, did what they could for him to get him out, and and he told his story, and it was a really uh, you know personal thing. Uh, I guess at the time, this was you know fifteen years ago, the um, I'm not exactly sure where the Mayhews lived at the time, but they had a, a place closer to New Orleans where this guy was able to evacuate out of the city and and uh, and, and get a place to stay. And uh, it's just they're just a, just a, a, a he's a very caring man. He really a gentle giant, yeah. as they uh, as uh, a lot of people were saying about him. And a lot of uh, people just, are wondering how Angie's doing. Obviously, that's it's a very difficult thing. How does she seem to be holding up? She's she's holding up, you know. And 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 Peter was a very important person to her. Of course, you know they were they were they were married. She loved him. They loved each other deeply, and and you know she was of course very sad. And um, but you know she's she's uh, she's holding holding it together. Yeah, you know she you know she was uh, you know she's a very nice lady. Yeah, they've been together. Uh, they've been together. I was surprised at how long when I learned they've been together for uh, twenty years. I think. Twenty. Yeah, I think twenty years. I think they they got married like in the nineties. Yeah, but I'm not if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, I remember and, that. Uh, I I thought that she was fairly recent on the scene but uh they've been together for a for a long time peter became an american citizen i know that that was very important to him as well he thought very very highly of uh being an american and um so yeah he, yeah go ahead he, he, he was sworn in uh, in 2005 they spoke about that about the uh the ceremony about him coming in and the swearing in becoming an american and yeah. that was in 2005 in texas so he's been an american for you know 14 years yeah, it's a pretty rare thing to get a Brit become an American by choice. Yeah, yeah, we fought a war to make that happen. Just yeah, but he, he didn't hold that. He didn't hold that against us. <laughs> right, and Kevin. You is, mentioned yeah. the guy who uh, played Nine Numb was there. Um, yeah, Mike was there. Mike Quinn and uh, I. I seem to remember Peter telling me that uh, he wasn't really a big fan of Nine Numbs because of the fact that. Peter always believed only one person should have been sitting in that co-pilot seat. Chewie was a two-week character, meaning that if it didn't happen, if the if the character didn't work within two weeks, it could have been a totally different uh, co-pilot to the mm-hmm. Falcon. Wow. Are you aware of any other options for a different sort of co-pilot for Han Solo? No. But I hope not. <laughs> well, do you want me to lose my job or what? <laughs> well, I was just thinking that if Chewie didn't work on the set, they would have to come up with a solution somehow. Yeah, and look what they came up with. There's Nando and Num Num. <laughs> oh, yes. We're flying the Vulcan. So what? You know what do you want? <laughs> how does that make you? How does that make Chewie feel to see uh, someone else sitting in his seat? Pissed. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Did Mike say anything about that? About any no, sort no. of rivalry he, he between? No, uh, no, no, no. He didn't speak. Obviously, he was a close enough friend that he felt that he 
he needed to be there, and he, and he, and he of course, he was. Um, I never, I guess you're right there. He was a co-pilot of the, of the Millennium Falcon. The last time we saw the Falcon in the in Jedi, I never thought of that. Yeah, so I, I think Peter always felt like uh, Chewie was the only one who should have ever been sitting in that seat. So, if anything, you know, I was just wondering if they had sort of a I mean, for the record, or for, anything. For the record, when Chewie was the co-pilot, there never was any damage on the craft like there was with uh, with Lando and they remember he took off the dish. Yes, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah that Chewie might not have happened. If, um, might but, have happened if Chewie was there. They took some hits from those asteroids. But let's that, let's not forget that uh, L three was the original co-pilot of the Millennium Falcon. What? So. Who? Yeah, let's man. not forget. <laughs> Listen to Jason. <laughs> let's not forget that uh, L three. Yes, uh, L three. Uh, let's uh, be very canonical. <laughs> I will. I will tell a funny story about. I will tell a funny story about co-piloting though. I, uh, we were at uh, we were at Peter's house before the service, and um, we all um, we all you know went in separate cars to drive to uh, Addison where the where the service was. So we left Peter's house, and as I was going, I asked uh, Alva Johnson if he needed a ride. The uh, founder of the Five O First, he was there, and so he rode with me and Glenn Nelson. You guys all know Glenn Nelson, mm-hmm. of course, and, musical uh, director of Rebel Force Radio. Glenn musical director Glenn Nelson. Uh, he was in the back seat, and uh, so I was driving, and about. <laughs> Two miles from Peter's house, I got pulled over for doing 57 in a, in a 35 mile an hour zone, and uh, <laughs> like the, the, the cop pulls me over, and I'm like, "Damn it, I haven't got a ticket in years!" And uh, so the, the cop comes to the window, and I accidentally handed him my military ID and not my driver's license. I was like, "Oh, I'm sorry," you know. And then I gave him my driver's license, and he looks at it, and he's like, uh, "It's like, oh, you're from Connecticut, I see." He goes, uh, "What do you what are you in town for?" And I go. Uh, I'm uh, I'm in town for for Peter Mayhew's memorial service, and he kind of shook his head. And he's like, you know, I've never met Peter, and you know, he's a, he's a great guy, and uh, and it's just, it's so sad that he passed. And then he goes, you know, uh, you know, Peter's a great guy, and then the Five O First, they're they're a great organization. They've run charities in the area, and they're really appreciative. And I'm like, really? I'm like, well, because the Five O First founder is right here in the front seat. <laughs> so he um, he uh, he let me off with a warning, and. Um, the warning is this big written piece of paper. It's about like a CVS receipt, yeah. and it has all the information of what I did and my name and whatever. So yeah. I kept the I kept the ticket. I'm gonna I'm gonna paint a uh, Chewbacca's bandolier on it. I think and I'm gonna, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, maybe I'll maybe I'll donate it to the uh, to the you know what I'll do I'll donate it to the to the Peter Mayhew Foundation. Maybe we can uh, raffle it off or something. But uh, <laughs> thank God he lets you off the hook though. And... But not only that, he, gave, he let us off the hook. But we were kind of joking about it because you know. After he gave you the, the warning, he's like he started thanking me and thanking Alvin for all that we've done for you know for Star Wars and and you know charities and stuff of like that. So when was the last time you got a ticket? Or you got you got pulled over for doing twenty two miles over the speed limit, and the cop is thanking me. Mm. And it was just uh, it was a pretty funny experience. Well, that's that reminds me of uh, I don't know if you guys remember that uh, uh, actor comedian Jay Thomas would, oh, would would every year he would come on the Late Show with David Letterman during the Christmas season and he would tell the true story of when he got pulled over with the lone ranger clayton moore in the back seat of his car <laughs> this is kind of your own you, if, if the, google you know google it youtube it whatever if you're, it's it's a great story and letterman loved it so much he'd have him on every year but it's very, very kind of a similar thing um when uh, <laughs> but at any rate so um at some point uh, kevin in the course of the uh the proceedings you ended up touring through Peter Mayhew's private collection of Star Wars memorabilia. 
which and, which I was I was shocked about. They they had mentioned yeah. earlier in the day they're like, hey, you got to check out the Chewy Room, and I'm like, okay, that sounds cool. Let let let's do that. <laughs> let's and do then it. Uh, towards because after the service we went back to Peter's house and um um well, later in the night I I asked uh, Matt Egan, one of the members of the of um, the Peter Mayhew Foundation, I was like, when can I see this? And they grabbed the curator. His name is Tom. His last name's escaping me, so I'll just make one up. But uh, uh, Tom is the curator of the mu- of the museum, and then I started realizing that this was a this wasn't just a room, and uh, th- there's a a separate building all to itself on the property that is just this big room that's the size of a almost a basketball court, and uh, you go inside of it, and it's just it's it's like a museum, and it's got s- a series of racks full of Chewy memorabilia, and it's just everything you can think of. Hmm. Um, with Peter uh, and and, uh, and Chewbacca, you know, there's um, there's uh, uh, you know, every toy you can imagine, every statue, every kind of coffee cup, and then there's uh, the, my favorite part was the uh, the actual medal that he got from Carrie Fisher in '97 when he got that medal on the MTV mu- uh, Music oh, Awards. Oh, he got the Legend Award. Uh, and 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 and, uh, and that's there. That's like the first thing you see when you walk in, and then they uh, they just had yeah, just a bunch of memorabilia. And uh, it was it was really cool to see it. I thought of you guys, and I, I sent pictures to Jimmy about it because I know uh, uh, Jimmy, has, of course, is a very impressive Star Wars uh, room himself. Oh shucks, nothing compared to what the Wookiee has in his museum. Hello, is that what they call it? No, no. And as a matter of fact, I you know I'm I'm taking great liberties. That is a name that uh, my friend Sky Payne calls his Chewbacca collection. Sky Payne is a fellow star wars podcaster who hosts the the um the uh, vintage archive podcast the kive cast he calls it and uh he has a huge collection of chewbacca stuff and he calls his collection the chewseum so i i just i couldn't resist saying it so yeah, they actually there's a wooden sign over it that says uh, uh the chewy room the chewy and, room and that's that's what's officially called it was extremely impressive. Glass cases filled with all sort of great uh, Chewbacca memorabilia and unique stuff, too. Items, um, you know, like uh, there was a, a card signed to him by, I think it was Gary Kurtz and a picture of himself, you know, of, of Peter fully in the Chewbacca wardrobe uh, with George Lucas. It was some weird Japanese ad for something, and I think Chewie was holding a big bouquet of flowers. It was really weird. Yeah, it was that Sony ad that 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 Lucas did back in the late eighties. Yes, um, and I didn't know this, but uh, the, the you know Chewbacca is in, and I just figured they got a person to play Chewbacca. It, it was it was it was the real Chewbacca. It was Peter Mayhew who uh, who did that ad, and they filmed it out in uh, at Skywalker Ranch back in the eighty seven eighty eight, and uh, then they had this huge poster for it. And Angie was able to get that uh, at a convention a couple of years back. It's a beautiful piece. It's it's got to be like five feet by four feet. It's it's enormous. It's a great collection, and the care and love that Peter put into preserving all of those Chewbacca pieces of memorabilia is really heartwarming. But the most heartwarming thing I I felt when looking at some of those photos you shared with me was Peter had on display all of his convention badges from over the years. And I thought that was pretty cool because he'd been to so many of those conventions, but he felt connected to the event enough to keep a little memento from each one of them and preserve it and display it. So, you know, it's not like the guy is just 
doing his job and punching a clock and, you know, going to the conventions and working, Peter really, I think, treated each one of those events like a real experience for him and, and part of his his, you know, the fabric of his life, you know? So I, and I always felt that about the guy, about his connection to the fans and just the way he always participated in all those events over the years. It was more than just a job. Yeah. He loved going to them. And, um, you know, one, one thing his family was saying, and I didn't know this, he has an incredible memory and he would remember people, people would come up and go, oh, I met you in Denver. He's like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, three years, three years ago, it was April or whatever. He yeah. apparently had a, had a really great memory. Yeah. And he would, he would remember all these stories and all these, you know, the, the, the things that people would give him and a lot, a lot of the things in that, that Chewy room, they were fan made stuff, things that people would give to him, uh, at conventions, you know, uh, socks that look like Chewbacca and, you know, bandoliers and, and a lot of people would make, um, the metal, the metal from, um, uh, a new hope that he didn't get people would make their own and give them to him. He had an entire shelf full of those just medals <laughs> that were, that was given to him by fans. He was, you know, he was really loved by the fans and he, he was, he, he, and, and, and he loved them back. He always remembered me, which I was always very surprised about, um, because I would approach him and, you know, I'd be like hustling him for an interview or something. And, and like the volunteers at the autograph halls or even Angie herself would be like, oh, no, no, no. And then he'd always say, no, 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 he's OK. He's all right. You know, and I felt like, good, man, good. I'm accepted by the Wookiee. And it was always just a very good feeling. And then, of course, the last time I saw him was after we saw Rogue One on its premiere night and all the Star Wars celebrities were out at that event and we were at the bar after the uh, screening and Peter was getting pushed by in his wheelchair. And as he was getting pushed by me, he grabbed my wrist and I was just like, oh, my God. And so I he even remembered me in that moment just in passing. I'm sure he wasn't thinking, oh, well, there's Jimmy Mack. But, you know, there's that that funny kid who always chases me down at the conventions looking for a few words from me. There he's again. And and so I I know what you're saying, that he definitely did have that memory for people and fans. I do yeah, like, I, I was flipping through these photos that you sent, Kevin, and uh, and I like this one. You, you got a shot of all the different uh, autographs, or a lot of the different autographs that he has hung on his wall. He's got one of Carrie Fisher, and it's, uh, you know, it's a, it's a very famous photo of uh, uh of, of Carrie dressed in her uh, Hoth gear and Chewie uh, cupping uh, her breastular uh, and she's making a, a surprised expression. Well, I'm just saying that's what it is. It didn't, you know, you okay. can buy this in official pics, but I love the we all, ca- the, I, we all know the picture. We all know the picture. All right. So um, would you like me to describe it again more slowly this time? No. So he's got the, uh, the, the Carrie Fisher autograph displayed and it's, it's to Big Pete, get well soon. If the rapture doesn't come. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I remember that one. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, we've got a story uh, in our news section about, uh, you know, she finally, uh, Daisy Ridley finally spilled the beans on what she actually said or heard from Carrie Fisher during the big hug in in episode seven. Oh, really? Yeah. Did you, you haven't heard this? You're going to have to listen to Rebel Force Radio this week. Well, I usually do. Give it I, I, I do every week. I, I know you say that you uh, you listen to us while you're uh, while you're drawing and painting and I doing do. your artwork. I do. I was doing artwork for you know my company every year. We do an uh, an episode, uh, you know, seven, eight, nine, whenever we do. We do a shirt each time, mm-hmm. and I'm actually working on that right now. 
And um, that's why I was listening to last week's show because I, I missed it because I was out of town in Dallas, of course. So I was listening to it today while I was doing the artwork of that. And I can say it's it's a Luke piece. It'll be Luke. Oh. Will be the uh, it's a shirt. It's a shirt that my company wears when we all go out to uh, to uh, to see the movie when it comes out. We've done it. We did one for uh, we did. I did. We did Luke as the Godfather for the Last Jedi. We did a BB-8 oh, Buffalo yes, Wild Wings yes. logo. Okay, I remember the Luke Godfather one because I think you posted a picture of that online. Yeah, that was that was that was that was pretty popular. And uh, is it shorty cool. robe Luke? No, it's it's Luke from uh, from from Last Jedi. It, it looks as he looks. Uh, today, as this one does too. I do notice too that uh, Peter Mayhew does have a a framed photo of the uh, the Wookiee family there from the holiday special. Yeah, yeah, he's got them all. Yeah, there they are. Wow, it just his, any less his weird. one great on screen romance <laughs> with the seven foot tall basketball player. <laughs> Equally cool, though, is the uh, pin that you put together for the event. That was a, a really good-looking pin that you you made, Kevin. Thank you. Th- yeah, that was um, uh, Ryan had, had reached out to me just before it was made public that, that Peter had passed, and I immediately. Just, I mean, that's that's what I do as an artist. I, I you know start coming up with visual ideas, and I. Um, I, I, I came up with that. It was just, you know, it's like the, it's that memorial pin we see for, for either breast cancer or soldiers or POWs or whatever. And I just decided to do it with with um, Chewbacca's bandolier. Yeah, the and, ribbon uh, loop. It, mm. And they, uh, it, they we, we actually gave them away at the, uh, at the memorial service. And so it was cool because everyone was wearing one uh, oh, at the service. Great. All the speakers, you know, Albert Johnson had one on. And it was just great. I'll make sure that each one of you gets one. Oh, oh, thanks. Thank you. Yeah, whoa, 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 whoa. Not, not all your listeners. I meant you two, no, Jason yeah, yeah. and Jimmy. I, can't, I don't, <laughs> Come on. I don't have, I don't have 200,000 pins. This isn't like that time you bought drinks for everyone at RFR Live on the <laughs> South Side. Oh, God. Yeah, I remember those. $210 to tell a joke. That cost me. <laughs> I still have people thanking me for that. I get a message every once in a while. So I was like, thanks for the drink, Lyle. <laughs> Good. Well, tell us, uh, Kevin. You're a, you're a man about the the country. You're uh, always doing uh, various shows and hosting kinds of things. What's coming up on the on the schedule? Summer is convention season. It is. I, I have a bunch of shows. I'll be at the I'll be at Keystone and um, where else? Uh, Fan Expo in Boston, both in August. But the uh, the big show I'm really looking forward to is ICC in September which is uh, held uh, September 13th through 15th in Nashville. And it's, uh, that's a great show. I was there last year. I hosted all the Star Wars events. The Star Wars, we did a Star Wars trivia contest, uh, and that was, uh, that was a great success. And then we did uh, a bunch of panels with a bunch of the uh, Jabba's uh, aliens were there. And uh, this year is going to be even bigger. We've got a lot of uh, people coming that have never signed in the U.S. before, a lot of um, uh, uh, actors from the original trilogy, um, Gerald Holm will be there. Uh, oh, now, now, now you got me in a spot. Uh, 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 Squid Face. Alan, Alan Flynn's going to be there um, from, uh, from Empire. Uh, um, Yak Face will be there. Uh, Jaquil will be there. It's, gonna, it's, it's, it's got a lot, a lot of great actors are, are going to be there. You can go on their site, uh, icnashville.com, um, or just look up ICC Nashville, and you can find it. It's, uh, it's in Nashville, and it's a, gra- it's a, great, uh, it's a great show. And I, I definitely recommend uh, everybody coming. I think Jason and Jimmy, you guys may 
may not come. What's maybe? It's possible. It's possible. <laughs> it's possible. It's a possibility. Nashville is my adopted uh, hometown. Uh, a big fan of it, and uh, they got a Johnny uh, Cash museum. What's what's not to go wrong with? Oh that? my God! Oh. Are you kidding? I know. I know. Nashville's amazing. They also have an incredible barbecue and. Uh, all sort of good I, music. Hammond B3 organs, wherever you go. It's the. I went last year. I went last year, and the day after the show, I, 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 I went with uh, Steve Sansweet for the whole day. We went to the Hermitage, which is um, uh, Andrew Jackson's home uh, and museum, and we went there uh, for the day. And then after that, we went to the Johnny, uh, Johnny Cash Museum. So I spent the whole day with Steve Sansweet, and it was, cool. uh, that, was, that was pretty cool. So he, he won't Good. forget me. Well, if we go there, I want to. I want to buy both you guys a drink, uh, sitting at the bar at Legends Corner. You guys nice. uh, familiar with Legends? There's all kind of great I've, bars I've there. Yeah, now, what, Legends, what is this? What, what are those legendary Legends? Nashville places that you know Hank Williams used to play at and stuff? Well, it, 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 it's it's even better than that because uh, what would happen is. Uh, these guys would be playing the Ryman. It's right by the Ryman Auditorium. And these guys, back when the Grand Old Opry was at the Ryman, you'd have Willie and, and Waylon and, and uh, Chris Christopherson and uh, Merle and all these guys, and they'd be playing the Ryman. And in between sets, they would uh, sneak out the back door and go to Legends and sit at the bar and, you know, toke back a few and then run back and get on stage. Nice. And uh, so that was their that was their watering hole while they were while they were yeah, working. But, <laughs> they were yeah, but those guys those guys won't be there now. But you know who will be? Daniel Logan will be there. Oh, we'll find him at the bar. <laughs> no problem. He'll be sneaking out of the convention. Okay, okay. Well, well, you said that. I just meant he's going to be at the con. I didn't mean he was going to be out. <laughs> hey, listen, gallivanting. Daniel is uh, he's a, he's a family man now with lots of responsibilities. And, oh, that's right. He's a parent now. Congratulations, yeah, so Daniel. Gone are the days. Well, I, I shouldn't say that. But. <laughs> I've been try- I've been meaning to get an update from from Daniel, and uh, we just haven't been able to connect. But I, well, I come on down happen. to ICC this September thirteenth through fifteenth in Nashville, Tennessee, and you can come see him. And uh, wow. Kevin, the best place to uh, and by the way, we're not done with you yet. But uh, let's get all the oh, formalities. Oh, oh, you're not, you're not for, done with me. Yet. No, no, no. We've got something special planned for you. But um, <laughs> God, what is this? I don't know. How many, how many, how many drinks am I going to have to buy now? <laughs> oh. uh, no, no, no. Um, but, but, uh, the best place for people to keep up with what's going on with you, I believe is Facebook and, and Norse Legion, right? Uh, yeah. Facebook, Norse Legion on Facebook, or just Kevin, Lyle. I'm the only Kevin Lyle on Facebook. That's a great way to find yeah. me. And, uh, I get, uh, about probably three or four times a week. I get a new person coming on. I'm rebel force radio listener. And I think you're awesome. And please buy me a drink next time we're at celebration. And L I E L L, not L Y L E. Okay, yeah, not like a lot of that. It's 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 German, not English. It's German. Leo, Leo, Leo. You know something we've been doing recently, Kevin, is we've been bringing back our Yoda questionnaire. You don't know if you remember this, but we did this many years ago. Is it like the James Lipton thing? It's the James. Well, yeah, I wouldn't. It's the Yoda thing now for us. But this was uh, sort of our spin on the old Inside the Actor Studio show. And before he would let a guest go, he would give them this famous questionnaire. You know, some kind of hoity-toity thing. And uh, but we we Star Warsified it. In fact, our our old buddy Pete Natal, he's the one that that created this, and he Star Warsified it many many moons ago. 
And so I don't think I don't think we've ever given you this uh, quiz. I, I don't think so. No. So um, we're going to do it. We're going to do it right now because you're, you're actually the perfect guy for it. You might you might even be too good for it because of what you <laughs> do with the whole trivia thing. <laughs> but um, we're going to we're going to we're going to lay it on you here. So I'll right. start with something very basic, very simple. What is your favorite Star Wars line line of dialogue? Your favorite. Oh, that's easy. That's easy. Uh, not from a Jedi. What? When, um, when Anakin goes, is it possible to learn this power? And Palpatine just looks at him and goes, not from a Jedi. That's my favorite line. Now, why is that your favorite line? Because it's, it's more of a response than an actual statement. Because it's so freaking evil. I love it, man. You know, not I just think it's a great Jedi. scene. All right. Let's, let's, a- can you do a good impersonation of Palpatine delivering that line? Um, no. Well, I can. So strap <laughs> I, I in do, because here I it do comes. A better, I could do a better Palpatine when he's when he's Sidious than a better Palpatine. All right, check this out. Check this out. This is this is Chancellor Palpatine. All right, not from a Jedi, huh? Almost sounds just like him. Okay, I next can't. question, Jason. <laughs> My little uh, green friend. Friend. Uh, what is your favorite? What is your? Oh, excuse me. What is your least favorite Star Wars line? See what we're doing? We're going the other way. Mm-hmm. Oh, your favorite too. What's um, your least favorite? There's got to be a line, even though you love these films, that just uh, you know makes you cringe. I, I think it would be lazy for me to say every single thing Rose Tico says. Oh, so I'll just, I'll, I'll, but also I'll just give you a line that she says. Okay, and and that is the um, I want to punch this city in the face. I think that was my. She <laughs> doesn't. She says like it's more to the line than just that, though. And then uh, anything else, like the whole, we're not going to win this war by killing the people we hate. And I'm like, well, how the hell do you win wars? I mean, I was, I was, in, I was in the army for four years, and that's not how you do it. But anyway, uh, yeah, you defend so, yeah. the things you love, Kevin. Come on. I, I don't know. I only saw the movie love. once. But uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So Tico, boy, she's coming up later. I'm sure in this uh, questionnaire. Um, what Star Wars moment of all the moments, lots of great moments in Star Wars, but which one makes you smile every time? And not when Rose Tico gets uh, blown up. She doesn't get blown up. I, I, my, my favorite scene has Doesn't always she been. Crash? She crashes, but then. Dead. I'm like really, really hoping. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure I saw a picture of her in. Episode that, some, that someone put those roses to bed. That's what I'm hoping. That's my <laughs> that's my truth. But anyway, in answer to your question, yes. my favorite scene in Star Wars. Your, your favorite is, moment. Uh, yeah. My favorite moment in Star Wars is when Vader grabs Palpatine and throws him down the shaft. He's Wait, like, what's you know, this? He, what's this Palpatine thing? It's Palpatine. Palpatine, Palpatine like saltine. You say Palpatine. Palpatine. I said, oh, well, I misspoke. Palpatine. Oh, all right. But you but what? But you've said it like four times now. So uh, is it like a thing? Is it like Hoth Hoth? Han Han? Yeah, maybe. Okay. Palpatine. Isn't it, am I wrong? Isn't it Palpatine like saltine? Like the Teen. Teen. I, right. I used to, um, when I was a kid, and I'd never actually heard anyone say the name. I only read it at the very beginning of the Star Wars novelization. Star Wars from the Adventures of Luke Skywalker. And during the prologue, they call him out by name. And I thought it was Palpatine. 
And so I call them Palpatine. Uh, the ambitious, here it is. I have the book. I always yeah. keep it handy. Um, the ambitious Senator Palpatine caused himself to be elected president of the Republic. He promised to reunite the disaffected among the people and restore the remembered glory of the Republic. Wow. Palpatine. Palpatine. You know, I think I Palpatine. used to read that in my head as Palpatine as well. And then when, they, when, it, then when it was Palpatine, yeah. I'm like, that makes a lot of sense. Sorry, Kevin. Your the the moment that makes you smile is uh, Vader chucking Palpatine down the chute in, uh, right. in Return of the Vader, Jedi. When Vader finally stood up to him and said, "That's enough." Does the yeah, no thing bother you? Does that bother oh. you? The new no? No. Yeah. That, no. The, 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 no. Wow. Well, no. How different would that scene have played out if, as Vader w- was holding. Palpatine over his head, getting ready to chuck him down this shaft. I know what you're going to say. I know. What and you're then gonna say. Rose Tico crashes her ship into Vader and says, "That's not how we're going to win. Not fighting what we hate, but saving what we love." Oh, and she kisses. I, I Vader. thought. I thought you were going to say <laughs> something else. I thought. <laughs> that would have been different, Jimmy, Jimmy. I thought you were going to say like he grabs Palpatine and he just goes like Anakin. And he goes yippee. <laughs> Yippee! <laughs> Yippee! Well, he says that after Rose makes her big entrance and kisses him. When he's when and he's then flying he says, down the chute. Then he says "Yippee!" and then he jumps. He's holding Palpatine and he jumps and takes Palpatine down the chute with him. And then Rose goes, "Well, that wasn't how it was supposed to work." <laughs> All right, Kevin. What Star Wars moment or scene makes you sad? Sad. Sad. Um, yeah, chokes you up a little bit. Uh, that I would guess be Padme, if Kevin I, Lyle had emotion. I, I know yeah. this is putting you Cold in a ice. tough spot. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of like. Uh, no, I, I would. Uh, Padme's funeral, I think, is pretty sad. You know, and you got her her nieces walking behind the uh, yeah. the uh, the the. Uh, the horses or whatever you call those Naboo things, mm-hmm. and they look—they look all they, you know—the whole family looks sad. That's that's kind of a sad moment, I guess. That's, that's... Yeah, but Boss Nass looks really sad too. Yeah, he does. He's very mopey. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I'm actually looking at my Japore snippet right now. Yeah, and, wow. and they show that they show the Jap- the, the, the the necklace that uh, that Anakin made for, right. him. Yeah. and uh, and that that that's kind of sad. That yeah. does bring it full circle, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't need this to remember you by. Meanwhile, she's getting choked to death on the Mustafor platform. <laughs> going, I knew I should have thrown that stupid necklace away. You know, I always had a theory, and I, I don't, I don't know if you guys ever talked about this or anybody else really. I, I always felt that he killed her on Mustafar, and what kept her alive. Okay, hold on. She, what? We have a voicemail that I want to play what before we f- even get into this. Well, I didn't even because- know when this was going to happen, but. This is no, happening we right know. now, right? This is happening. Are we done yeah. with my? Are we done with my questions? Is that well, the last no, no, no. no take a little, this uh, is a tangent. Yeah. This is a tangent. And oh, it's just, a Rebel Force tangent. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you really uh, just like opened up the door. I mean, just wide open, wide open uh, right. for this uh, voicemail here from uh, Young Owen. Uh, his uh, Young Owen, uh, his father Adam, sent in this question from him. Here we go. I got. I got one here. Let's. Let, let me crank this up here. Hi, guys. Um, it's Owen from Seattle. I was wondering how Padme died in episode three. I love the show. And also, shout out to Puppet Lando. Hello. What have we here? 
Owen is the best. Owen, we love you too, buddy. And wow, so, that just that that just worked out well. It was exactly what we were talking about. It I'm really sorry, does. Mark. So, so Owen, uh, metaphorically, um, virtually, we're going to have you crawl up on Uncle Kevin's lap, and he's going to tell you the story of how Padme died. Take it away, Uncle Kevin. Okay, little Owen, how you doing? This is your favorite Uncle Kev. <laughs> I think that Anakin did strangle her, and and for the most part killer and luke and leia being inside of her and being so strong in the force is what kept her alive and when she delivered the babies they were no longer uh with her so she lost that power to live and the droids didn't understand it she is simply losing the will to live because she's no longer connected to these two force powerful babies and once they left she died so she was already she was basically being kept alive almost by like like an artificial machine and that being the force. So she so Anakin killed her on uh, Mustafar and she was just kept alive because of Luke and Leia. It was almost like the will of the force to make sure Padme stayed alive long enough to be able to deliver the new hope to the galaxy, Luke and Leia. So once she had achieved that task and Yes, with with the you know the, the M word, the midi chlorians that coursed through the veins of Luke and Leia, that also had an effect on Padme, in a sense, making her strong in the Force. Once she gave birth to the twins, she no longer had the Force flowing through her, like Kevin said. How do you do? You feel kind of like we're on the same path jason or do you have a different assessment I, I, I don't i love what kevin said i had i had never considered that and or at least i had never considered it the way kevin articulated it um that is a much more satisfying uh way to look at it than than anything i've heard before in all seriousness i think that is absolute dynamite i, I really wish that that was canon that is going to be that's going to be rebel force radio canon as far as it's I canon concerned. for me it's can it's canon yeah. for me it makes it makes total sense i mean the fact that she died from a broken heart i mean what i mean all that she's been through and she's going to die from her, her boyfriend becoming a bad guy i mean yeah i mean i mean please that doesn't make any sense yeah i i feel so like I, I feel like that to be true to the character of padme in my opinion uh what she was showing signs of there at the end before he started choking her out was she was telling him where to go. I, I mean, I think that to be true to the character Padme, Padme would have picked up arms against him. She was such a believer in the cause and injustice and, and all of that. I don't think for one second think that she would have uh, humored him at all. I think she'd have chopped his head off if she had to. Hmm. I believe wow. that. Wow. Yeah. Head chopped off. Yeah, I think I she would have looked at it like that. she was saving him from himself. But I think she was absolutely true believer. Well, what if it came down to something like that? How heavy would have episode three had been if <laughs> she tried? Poor to Owen's having nightmares chill. right now. Yeah, um, <laughs> poor Owen. <laughs> poor Owen. No, Owen. Owen gets it though. Yeah. And I like to. I like to congratulate Owen's parents on the wisdom of naming naming the little boy Owen. I think it's a great name. Yeah. I think, I think he's going to grow up to be a great farmer in Seattle. <laughs> well, they don't need moisture, good moisture, moisture farmer in Seattle. They don't need moisture farmers. So well, he's a good, he's, look, at a, look at how great of a job he's doing. Look how much moisture he's bringing to Seattle. This little Owen, my little nephew. What a great kid. 
Oh, man. So, oh, I'd like so, to uh, thank Owen for reaching out to us, and, and I, I hope that was uh, a suitable um, answer. But there is no real answer, and that's the beautiful thing about George Lucas's Star Wars is he refused to define things. And uh, nowadays, it seems like everything has to be defined. There's no room for interpretation or personal analysis anymore. George has made some comments recently over the last year uh, in some interview he did with James Cameron that I felt like he was getting too close to being definitive about certain things that went on in his Star Wars universe. And uh, we know that was a huge trend for uh, Ryan Johnson. He went on an explanation tour after The Last Jedi came out. And J.J. Abrams, I think, has been a little bit too forthright with some of the things that went into the the mixing bowl for Episode 7. Especially when he was asked that question about Leia not hugging Chewbacca and just say, well, it was an oversight. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> Make something up. Yeah. Right. You know, BS us, BS us. Like, I mean, Lucas would do that. He would just be like, Oh, let's see what I can throw into the stew today. <laughs> and he would come up with some sort of, you know, he'd just say things to maybe occasionally troll us, but he never was too definitive. When it came to aspects of his Star Wars. Yes, Kevin. I have an answer for that one, too. Uh, Chewie has had a background in Star Wars of helping people who are medically hurt. Uh, C-3PO, End of Return of the Jedi, when Han goes, Chewie, get down here. Leia's hurt. Why would you say that? Because Chewie's going to come. He's got a little pouch there. Who knows what he has in there? And he probably helped Leia, Leia through her, you know, being shot in the arm as she was at the end of Return of the Jedi. I, I felt that he was rushing out of the Falcon with the injured um, Finn, who was injured enough that he was in a coma up until the, ne- the beginning of the next movie. So I think it was just, you know, he was too, he was too preoccupied with helping um, um, Finn. Yeah, on the gurney. Just, you know, I mean, if I was if I was sitting there rushing with Jason's corpse, and God, that'd be terrible. But if I was <laughs> rushing with Jason's corpse somewhere, what the hell I'm, just not gonna, happened? <laughs> I'm not going to stop and hug Jimmy Mac. I'm no, going to no. take care of Jason's corpse. You, know? <laughs> you wouldn't have to though, because Jason would disappear upon death, That's leaving true. only leaving only his saddle shoes, his his, his French cuff shirt, <laughs> and yeah, his, his French yeah, his French cuff shirts, his saddle shoes, and, and his one of those little ego. cigars, one of those little tiny. <laughs> yeah. Jason Swank cigars. <laughs> <laughs> one of my banditos. Uh, all right, Kevin, let's pick up where we left off before we were so rudely interrupted by Owen. Um, <laughs> no, stop it. And hey, congrats to his dad, yes. Adam, for yes. being an awesome Star Wars dad. Yeah, that was great. That was great. Voicemail of the year. We should um, send Owen something. We should send Owen something. So if, if Owen's father's on Facebook, if you can just track me down, yeah. send me a message. I will send you a Norse Legion Star Wars care package. I have oh, to. Oh, that's nice. That's see, Kevin. He's like Santa Claus. Come yes, on, he is. I'm, well, I'm, I'm Uncle Kevin, Kevin Claus. I'm, I'm Uncle Kevin now. Yeah, right. Uncle. Yeah, well, he's family. He's family. Yeah, because so. I can't. I can't get the kid a bunch of drinks at the bar. So no, I'll get him. No, I'll, no, I'll, no. I'll send him some Star Wars stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. That's yeah, awesome. No, no blue milk spiked by Greedo. For young Owen, <laughs> we're gonna have to come up with something better for him. So, Kevin, which Star Wars character is your all-time favorite? I think Darth you've been on... Vader. Okay, yes. I thought Darth you've Vader. been on record before. You're not shy about it. Darth Vader's your favorite. And what, do you, when you say Darth Vader, do you mean the totality of Vader, Anakin's Vader, or just Darth Vader? 
Um, just Darth Vader, but I'm, I like Anakin too. I'm, okay. I'm really, uh, um, you know, I'm reading the Thrawn book right now, the newest one, and but I keep hearing Matt Lanter's voice when I read uh, when I read Anakin and not Hayden Christensen. I just thought that was weird. I, was, I just noticed that today. Well, when he's Hayden's talking, I hear is, Matt. Hayden's voice is very nondescript, whereas Matt has like a real like action adventure star quality to his voice. I also think that, that Timothy's doing a really good job of catching that humor that we saw in the Clone Wars with Anakin and his dialogue. So it just naturally fits with what, what Matt Lantern does. I think if there's a scene with there's Anakin, no offense, whining and screaming, they'll probably think of Hayden Christensen. Maybe that's what'll happen. You know whose voice right I hear when I read Anakin in books? Rip Taylor. No. <laughs> Sebastian Shaw. So, really? Yes. But only only when he just had the mask taken off, where he's like, go, my son. <laughs> <laughs> Only, only when he had the mask off, as opposed to all the other times uh, Sebastian Shaw spoke in Star Wars. No, I mean I could have, you know, dipped into his actual acting career and found other non-Star Wars examples of what his voice sounded like. You know, I've never seen him in anything else. I really should look into that. Oh, you should. Uh, I mean, he's a very celebrated actor. He's done all kinds of things. Oh, sure. Yeah, he was. He he was like, what was he like, eighty when he played that part? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. he had a huge career before that. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, many people know him as uh, as as Grandpa from the Chernobyl made-for-TV movie in 1991. That's a big. That's a big deal. Yeah, they use the same makeup for him in Chernobyl that they used <laughs> in Return of the Jedi. <laughs> tell Tell Gorbachev he was right. <laughs> Don't mind my legions. <laughs> All right. Uh, where are we? Oh, we've got a couple more here. You, least favorite character in the Star Wars universe. What are you going to say? I mean, that's obvious. Rose Tico. Wow. Throw it. Are you really going to waste your vote on Rose Tico, though? I mean, there's so many more Star Wars characters to, to, to not like. Yeah. I mean, there's like, a lot of evil characters out there. Oh, oh, oh I, see, I see the question. I see the question out. The character I don't like, okay, um, I don't have a character I really don't like. I only have a character that I freaking hate. Is that a better answer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I hate Rose Tico. Kelly Kelly Marie Tran's a great actress, and I thought it was great when she came out in, in Chicago when we were all there a couple months ago, and she came out and the whole crowd was screaming, Kelly, Kelly. I thought that was great, and I was applauding too. I have nothing against her. And I think she did a wonderful job playing that part. She was just given a very bad part. And I don't like the character. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not going to I'm not going to disagree with you, really. I think if they would have let more Kelly Marie Tran shine through that character, it would have been much better off. That character, uh, for the most part, could have also been played by a male. And if they gave that part to me, Kevin Lyle, I would have hated the part. I would have hated it. <laughs> Even if I played running that around part. kissing Finn at the end. Yeah. Kevin well. Lyle. Mm-hmm. I can see it. All right. Yeah. What job? I kind of you... like it. <laughs> I kind of like it. I knew that was coming. What job would you most like to have within the Star Wars universe? So if you woke up tomorrow, like Gulliver's Travels, but yet Star Wars version, because you'd still be a large man in the Star Wars universe. You woke up and you were in the Star Wars universe. What job would you most like to have? 
Oh, Palpatine. Palpatine's definitely. Well, I don't think they just, like run ads like jobs. that. You, in yeah, the, you, you can't. Get, you can't apply for Palpatine. You, you don't apply oh. for Emperor of the Universe. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. okay. It's so it's got to be more. It's got to be more of a more. T- uh, yeah, be, uh, yeah uh, like there's a professional. A thousand <laughs> years, a thousand years of manipulations going on behind the scenes, so Palpatine can finally rise up and rule the galaxy. You don't just walk into that gig. <laughs> okay, uh, so you're talking a more obtainable goal. I, I guess I would take yeah. um, um, Commander of a uh, Star Destroyer. Wow, you're really geez, that's still shooting high. Now, keep in mind, Kevin is a military man. True. He's you know in in, in the real world, so um, I could see that. that makes sense to me. Yeah, I, I think you know, and, and, you know, any good way that you can officially kill people, you know, that that would be <laughs> that would be up my alley. That would be fine. I'd be you know, working just, tables at Canto Bite. That's what I'd be doing. I'd be a dealer, and you know, living large off my tips. And uh, getting my freak on with some crazy aliens every once in a while. That would be fun. I mean, if you want to say, like, there is a job in Star Wars that I think would be most geared towards what I have done as far as the military. And that would be the uh, Death Star Gunners. Those guys you see, you know, shooting the guns Mm -hmm. at the X-Wings. Because that would be basically air defense artillery. I was an air defense defense artillery scout in the Army uh, in the 90s. And uh, so we, you know. We would shoot surface-to-air missiles. You know, our quote was, "If it flies, it dies." You know, so, so maybe that's what I'd be best trained for. I guess would be one of those guys. That's but awesome. I'd, I'd, I'd rather be the. Uh, I'd rather be a uh, yeah. command a uh, star destroyer. So me and Swank would be like Fode and Bead. Then, if you want to <laughs> apply real world. I don't care what universe you're from. That's gotta hurt that guy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Those yeah. guys. Those guys. <laughs> All right. I'd be the one going, oobla, bloobla. <laughs> and Swank would be putting together sentences. And I'd just be like, oh, blah, 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 blah. It's like, he's not speaking hud <laughs> No. He, he's also, he's drooling, too. Crying out loud. All right, Kevin, which job would you most not want to have in the Star Wars? What would be the worst job for you? Sorry, Other than Rose Tico. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to just set up some rules? Like you did with the, uh, choosing the uh, emperor. I, 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 well, I will if you if you have a bad answer. Uh, then, yeah. I'll, then I'll be forced I, to. I, I would I would imagine that somebody at Jabba the Hutt's palace has oh. to clean Jabba the Hutt and his area around him. Um, oh, so so that would be that would probably be the worst job. Just right. somebody's got to. As much as Jabba likes being gross and disgusting, it's, there's got to be somebody who's cleaning something. What do you think that does it? Is, it? is that the job of like a reyes or somebody who's in there with like uh, baby wipes and stuff? You know. Oh man. I don't know. It's, it's something not good. Not good at all. Oh, I was. Not uh, job. I was at the zoo a few days ago, the Cleveland Zoo, and the elephant. It was towards the evening, and the elephant was out. Uh, just you know cruising around uh, right before he had to go in and go to bed and he dropped one just right there i mean Ugh. and it was just the 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 sound of that hitting the the the, the floor was just unbelievable and that's kind of what i think about like job of the hut and it just remember like. that elephant doesn't smoke and drink so just <laughs> add that on imagine if that elephant was a drinker and a smoker just imagine how disgusting that creature would be. And you know, there's a bunch of pizza boxes behind that Dias there that he's sitting on. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, all right. Last one. If you got cast in a Star Wars movie, Kevin Lyle in a Star Wars movie, 
and it just happened to be directed by George Lucas. It was his big return back to the director's seat of a Star Wars film. And you're in the movie, and George says, cut on your last scene. What would you most like to hear George say to you, to you, Kevin Lyle? Would it be too cliche to say, uh, I thought that was the uh, perfect speed and intensity? (laughs) No, no one's ever given that answer. That's a great answer. That is a good one. That's a great answer. That's a good one. Uh, But in reality, it would be cut. Um, Do you have Dennis Lawson's phone number? (laughs) I I actually do. I actually have his number. (laughs) Can I have it? (laughs) Yeah, sure. Let me look it up. It's right here on my phone, actually. Yeah, he probably still owes George like seven bucks. George still hunting him down for it. So we're waiting for Dennis Lawson's phone number as Kevin Lyle looks it up on his phone. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's going to give it to us now live on Rebel Force Radio. So sure, everyone, I'll, give it, I'll, give it, I'll give it right now. You everyone, get up, ready really? to, everyone get your smartphones out and be prepared to program in a new contact. Wedge from the original trilogy. Go ahead, Kev. Five five five. Remember on TV, all the fake phone numbers used to be five five five. No, we're, we're all we're all friends here at Rebel Force Radio, and um, you know, I, I'll give it out if you want me to. The number no, no. is uh, is seven zero eight five. That's my six, number. Six, Stop! <laughs> shut! <laughs> shut your hole! <laughs> shut your <laughs> Wow! And just oh. call that number. That call that up. number. And you'll get whatever, any Star Wars stuff you want. <laughs> Jimmy's got a huge room full of stuff. His, his Wendy wants it out of the house, so you know, just 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 just, at, just just come to his house. I'll give you. Let me get you his address too. His Why address we're at is. It. Uh, <laughs> oh my God, Kevin! I have contacts too, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I should watch out because you guys you guys have a daily uh, outreach there that you can just give all the information to me out. Thanks. Yeah. Right. That's right, no. and and yeah. it just we wouldn't do that only to our Patreon members. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I can't wait to hear this when it plays back to see how much of that number you bleep out because I, I don't think I gave all of it out. Pretty close. No, pretty close. Teased. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm fine. I'll take calls. Enough. Uh, enough that you know. If you were like uh, you, with with just a little bit of patience, you might figure it out. You just try all the rest of the combinations. You're only missing two more digits. Yeah, ninety nine shots. You know. <laughs> Kevin Lyle, thank you so much for being with us here at Rebel Force Radio and sharing your stories of the uh, Peter Mayhew Memorial, as well as uh, your incredible take to the Yoda questionnaire. Thank you very much, and thank you, little Owen. Thank you, Owen. All right. <laughs> Play it again, see if it syncs up with the music. Oh, oh, close enough. 
I can just see it. You know how at Christmas time you get the uh, greeting card that has like the puppies barking a Christmas tune or, or the kittens, you know, meowing Silent Night? They're going to have seals. You open it up, they're going to be doing the John Williams Star Wars theme song. It's going to be a whole new thing. Buy stock in that. Amazing. Oh, my God. Incredible. All right. Uh, that's going to wrap things up here, uh, Rebel Force Radio, for another week. Big thanks to Kevin Lyle for uh, joining us. Uh, once again, you can uh, talk to Kevin online. Uh, he's very active on Facebook. He's the only Kevin Lyle on Facebook, as long as you spell it right, L-I-E-L-L, or you can look up the Norse Legion. And uh, they've got tons of great stuff there and really unique stuff that you can't find anywhere else, and all with Kevin's unique eye to design and um, does most of that right there on Facebook. So that's the place to find him. Uh, the place to find Rebel Force Radio, more Rebel Force Radio, is Patreon, patreon.com slash rebelforceradio. Love to have your support. Check it out. We've got all kinds of bonus features and content, your own uh, RSS feed, which gives you access to stuff that is not available for the general public. Plus, we've got a new Star Wars movie coming out this year. Who knows what we might be doing? Details yet to come. And you'll be the first to know if you are a member of our Patreon group. Um, don't forget the Rebel Force Radio documentary, When the Galaxy Listens, the special director's cut, is available on the Rebel Force Radio YouTube channel. If you think you've seen it, you haven't really seen it because there's an, lots of additional stuff, uh, including stuff at the uh, Skywalker Ranch. It's, it's just it's awesome. So check that out. Uh, if you'd like to play with us in between shows, we'd love to hear from you. The voicemails and the emails mean so much. Email address, show at rebelforceradio.com and the voicemail line, 708-320-1RFR. That's 708-320-1737. We will be having another live call-in show yet this summer. So keep your uh, ears tuned for the date of that. Uh, we're also on Facebook. You can find us at uh, just search for Rebel Force Radio. And uh, our official website for all things and everything, Rebel Force Radio, is, of course, rebelforceradio.com. Summertime is here. Why don't you try getting yourself a new Rebel Force Radio t-shirt? I'm telling you, they are so comfortable. My wife loves hers. She loves hers. Uh, that was weird. Somebody trying to call in? thought I heard something. iTunes, you can subscribe and review your favorite podcasts, including Rebel Force Radio, right there on iTunes or the podcast app on your iPhone or iPad. Love to have your subscription. We'd love to have the reviews. Just one rule, please. Make them good. And you can find Rebel Force Radio streaming online all around the web. WGNplus.com. As I mentioned, YouTube, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Play. Uh, we're on Stitcher, SoundCloud, anywhere you can find podcasts. You'll find us here at Rebel Force Radio. So we'll see you next time. For RFR, I'm Jason. I'm Jimmy Mack. And remember. The Force will be with you. Always.
Well, give me one more seal. <laughs> I love that seal. That's awesome. 